We should come back to the sea bitch at the end. <laughs> oh, we will. We will. Obviously. Who talks now? Me? I can't hear you. Me? You. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, I couldn't you're... hear anything. <laughs> Hi. Oh, greetings. Welcome back. It's Claudia. It's Christina. And we are. Evilly Yours English. Evilly Yours Ooh. English. That was so almost synchronous. It's not just Claudia and Christina today. No, 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 no. no. Never. And it's also not the weird shy guy feature from last week. No, no, no. <laughs> not shy guy. <laughs> Tell me. Before we get into today's topic, we would like to introduce you to our very first, very formal guest speaker. That would be the classicist, Ariana. Hi, everyone. How are you? Hi, girl. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me today. We didn't know who better than you for this one. <laughs> Isn't she just giving like dark, bioluminescent, like sea demon? Like, look at this. Snaps all around. Sea bitch, sea bitch, yes. So, first of all, sea bitch. Here for it. Thank you all so much for your support with this whole launch of Mermaid. And we figured. We had to focus on The Little Mermaid, and today we will be focusing on our antagonist, our villain. Thank you. Thank you. That is Ursula, which, I mean, most people should know that. You're right. But before I do, um, sorry, I came across this reel that was talking about the Loch Ness Monster. Oh, my God, I gave Ariana that mug. Uh <laughs> yes, she did. Still use it to this day. Perfect for today's okay. occasion. Oh my oh, god, yeah. full, full circle. Full mm -hmm. circle moment. I was just I'm telling her, I've never even, like, I stopped thinking about that mug having a mermaid on it because it's just so suited to Ariana. Okay, anyway, That's sorry. Valid. So, I came across this <laughs> reel. doesn't have anything to do with um, sea witches, but sea creatures. And apparently, there is a theory <laughs> running around that the Loch Ness Monster is not a monster um, in the regular sense that we know it as. It is a whale's penis. Wow. That is what I learned to like literally last night. I think I sent you the reel actually. It was shocking. I I'm upset. You're welcome. We are today going to talk a little bit about if Ariel in The Little Mermaid or even in Hans's um version if there was going to be an antagonist, someone who was going to antagonize her. <laughs> <laughs> who would it be and Solid. why so what is a sea witch where does the concept of a sea witch come from why is it a witch aka female presenting being and not a i don't know wizard the male form of it or just a non-binary being why is it always a witch so we want to dig a little bit into that today mm. so before we get started ariana will you share with us kind of your background and how you uh, why we consulted with you for this Yes, thank you. So first, just want to thank you so much for having me here. It's a pleasure. Uh, I am a classicist and also a material and ritual culture specialist. I focus on antiquity through the 21st century and in the Western world. So a lot of my research is based on antiquity through now and just kind of like how ritual and material items um, basically showcase who we are and where our mythologies come from, our ideologies come from through looking at ritual culture. Um, and also just ritual in general and how we take from it every day. Super cool. We're very grateful to have you here as well. Thank you for joining us at this very late hour on a random Tuesday in the middle of your week. 
Listen, we can get lit on Tuesdays, all right? <laughs> Literally, because we talk about literature. <laughs> That's true. Oh, you, I was going to say literature. Lit. Oh. In addition to thanking Ariana for joining us, we also wanted to thank you all for listening and joining us too. Our first Mermaid episode last week almost went viral. Dare I say viral? We were really happy that we reached so many people with our exciting mermaid content, and we are looking forward to meeting more of you and chatting with you throughout the month. So, uh, before we, yeah, don't be shy. Any more time? We like talking clearly. So, if you guys are watching on YouTube or you're looking at our TikToks or anything, you might notice we all dressed kind of to theme today in honor of our sea witches Witch. that will be featured today. I so, if everyone like my <laughs> green highlighter, perfection. I mean, and I'm also running you, out of coffee. You, you're in blue, people. like, you're blue like the 76 oceans and seas. It's, all of this came together, I swear. Yeah, I saw a, uh, a makeup reel earlier by an artist in, like, Scotland, and she did this blue blush look, and it was so cool, and it was, like, instant inspiration for tonight, so. Fire. Looks amazing. I love her. It's just cool. Ooh. But. Thank you. Oh, I love you guys. All right. Oh, yeah. It's me. I'm I'm next. I'm the one who's yeah, lagging. Um, you're the problem. Okay. You're the problem. All right. I'm the problem. Okay. I'm moving my cursor now, so don't make another Edward Cullen mistake, dude. <laughs> Last week, we started talking about mermaids and some other types. I think we mentioned what a siren was and kind of how that might have evolved into a mermaid. We talked about, like, manatee sightings turning into a mermaid, mermen, merfolk. But as we said before, um, there are other types of humanoid beings that live under the ocean, under the waters, because they're the dirty players in the story. Claudia, can you tell us a little bit about female villains in stories? Damn right. So when it comes to fairy tales and their portrayal of women, it's very black and white. It's very much heroine and villain. But the million dollar question here is what makes a female villain a villain within fairy tales? And it all comes down to maternal instincts. And I hate that. And one of the main reasons why is because at some points, um, fairy tales were meant to illustrate like gendered norms and gendered roles to both, you know, boys and girls. And so the focal point for little girls was always to be a mother, always to be caring, always to be nurturing. And so the female villain is almost always portrayed as like the least maternal human you will ever think of. And for example, we have the OG Snow White. All right. Now I say OG Snow White in the sense that like this is the first documentation that the Grimm brothers put down on paper. Um, and so this one, at least that the one that I'm talking about is primarily German rooted. Um, and so we have Snow White. Her mother dies. Her father remarries to this evil queen, all right? This woman is jealous of a fucking seven-year-old. A seven-year-old. Right. And this seven-year-old embraces her maternal instinct so much so that, like, the seven dwarves are like, yo, girl, like, if you just clean our house, you could live here, bro. That's your payment, and that's going to be great. And she was like, no, okay. Oh, my God, she's septo-mom. She is, though. She is. And so this villain, this evil queen, because again, her obsession with Snow White is her talking to the mirror and she's like, yo, who the fairest? And then the mirror's like, girl, you you cute and all, but like Snow White, she's like, damn gorgeous, you know? And so that's driving her insane to the point that she was just like to this hunter, yo, bro, I need you to kill the seven-year-old because I'm over it. 
Hunter meets the seven-year-old and he's like, yo, I'm so taken aback. She's like so innocent, so cute. So he ends up killing, I think it was a boar. And she says, I want you to bring back the lungs and the liver of this bitch. And then he's like, um, yeah, this boar's lungs and liver are 100% Snow White. It's crazy. And so she proceeds to eat them. And as we know, mothers don't eat their young. Long story short, she finds out, as always, good triumphs over evil within a fairy tale. Then we get to one of the OG uh, Sleeping Beauties. It's titled Sun, Moon, and Talia. Uh, it is by... I know him as Basile because that's his last name. So there's this Lord's daughter falls mad, like falls into a deep sleep due to a flax splinter. Cause like there was this whole thing with the sorcerer that was like, girl, that's going to be your undoing. You're going to die. If you touch flax, the Lord was like, okay, we're going to toss that out. Cause reckless. And so this random like spindle still had it so then the flax gets underneath her nail right and so she's laid in a mansion and there's this king that finds her okay and he's she's asleep because again deep sleep because of this poisoned flaxseed bullshit and he assaults her and then she is impregnated with twins and she gives birth in her sleep she wakes up due to the babies like essentially trying to like breastfeed and it misfires and gets the finger that has the flaxseed right and it sucks out the flaxseed and so instead of her waking up and going what the fuck is happening what she does instead is what the fuck <clears throat> i mean i guess i'm a mom and just accepts the reality of her being a mom then <laughs> what goes on who I is know. telling these stories? Girl, it's crazy. Men in the old yeah, world. Men, Men in the old world. And so the villain in this is the king, the king's wife, the one that impregnated her. And she finds out and she's like, get these children captured. Okay. And so similarly to the huntsman, um, this, this other huntsman or this cook finds the kids He's like, oh, they met innocent. We're not going to do that. And he gets like some sort of like bore, I think, as well or something. And she says, I want you to cook up these children and feed them to the king. And again, correct. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Correct. Correct. And so this lacking of maternal instinct is usually what leads to women being the villain within like a fairy tale in that sense. So the more you know. And also I will link those in the notes so that you can read them yourself. For someone who hates Snow White, the fact that she comes up on now a weekly basis. Cause she's so stupid. Piggybacking off of what Claudia just said, it's really important that we dissect the concept of eating one's child right because that goes back in time to even antiquity where we see it's always a a male eating their child whether it's a god or someone in a in a world like that so we have Kronos who eats his children he's a titan then we have Ugolino in Dante's Inferno who's in the lowest pit of hell because of the thought of eating his own children so all of these people they're all male in the old times they are all male and they are all being judged 
and they are doing what would be so would be known as wrong, but they are not women, but they are still being judged. But the judgment is a very different concept because how you're judged is different. So we can also talk about judgment in life and death, right? Because we have the gods who are immortal. Then we have in Dante's Inferno, we have the lowest level of hell. So judgment comes after you do something. So after he thought about eating his kids, that's when he sat with the torment. But then we have something like, you know, like in Snow White with this concept of eating kids, that's in the the actual world they live in. So these women are being put in in situations where they are doing something non-maternal in the actual current world that they're living in. So there's always this odd comparison juxtaposition of like where the men are doing something and they're being judged some other place in the realm and where the woman has to be this maternal concept of, 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 of a social norm. And if she has the audacity to have something like a thought in that way, it's immediately a different way of judging her. And it looks at women as a whole as they did wrong in this world. Because she had um, audacity. It was so interesting that like a formerly male crime is ascribed to these non-maternal women. What a move in fairy tales. Yeah. Yep. It's basically that she was punished for being vibes. Like just being a whole vibe. Yeah. So where did this gender role come from? Like women have to be this only purely like maternal figure and then like what happened throughout history to women who maybe didn't suit those roles. All right, so I wanna just talk about also where the word witch comes from and how it's used and how it has been used through history in different cultures and why that's so important to understand how that word is a weapon and it's a tool for men in antiquity through even like the 1800s to describe women based off of fears that they have. Um, so which Webster says it's a person thought to have magic powers, especially evil ones, popularly depicted as a woman wearing a black cloak, points a hat, flying on a broomstick, da, 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 right? So what does that actually mean? That is a fear that is encapsulated from an ancient ideology in a culture that was sheltered. So what that actually kind of translates to is here, imagine... 1600s Europe. We have paintings that we see in the 1600s Renaissance um, in Italy of women looking sideways. In these images from the Renaissance, you see a window and you see a woman standing in her wedding jewels usually. And she's looking profile outside of a window. She's never looking directly at the eye of the viewer. She always has a profile. What does this mean? Well, in Renaissance Italy and just in general in Europe and a lot of the world actually, women were thought to have power in their gaze. So it's actually called the female gaze. And there is so much power in this because of the fear, the absolute fear that was instilled in men of what a woman can do if you look into her eyes, what she can do to your brain. Now that is obviously projection because of what she's letting them do based on their fear. Um, but this is why even in paintings, women were so beautiful or so romanticized. They're in poetry, they're in art, they're this, they're one with the fields. We have ancient nymphs of one with the trees and all these things. And men are seeing this, of course, in, you know, as time went on, and they're seeing this beauty and it's scaring them because beauty has power in their minds because it creates art. And art is a weapon. Art can be a weapon, both good and bad, because of how it can make you feel, how it can change a society, how it can alter your rituals, your material culture. Um, so we'll have the woman in the window, right? This concept of you'll always see a building, a window, and then a woman behind it because you cannot get too close because she'll 
you know, so actually the concept of the female gaze is that if you look into her eyes, something will come out of her eyes and penetrate you into kind of being, uh, what's the word, almost like in a trance. So she actually has powers coming out of her eyes. Um, magic. And, and, and you get magic. Correct. And not, not necessarily saying that they are witches, but women have witchcraft. They have powers of this. And what does that mean? That means they can do things that people cannot. They can ignite fear. They can have these mystical powers. They have ties to the earth. And somehow to men, that seemed unnatural. It seemed scary. It seemed more powerful than me right? Because they can do things with nature around them. Then we go into something like the Salem witch trials, right? We have these women who are basically utilizing nature. So, so we think if these women actually were going into the forest to find herbs to help cure because the medicine was subpar, somehow that translates to their magic, they're dark, they're mysterious, they're dangerous. We fear them because only a man can be a scientist. Only a man can heal. Mm-hmm. So the second a woman puts on a science cap, she's magic, she's scary, she can heal. She already has this mystery about her. How is she healing? How is she using earth? That's something not, you know, of this world. Yeah, so we have, you know, and then, of course, pop culture brings you the pointy hat and the broom um, because Halloween is actually based off of a pagan holiday um, and, you know, just actually celebrating the harvest. And people utilize this to dress up. And that's also where, as I'm, I'm also a makeup artist, so when it comes to makeup artistry, you see a lot of men are still to this day terrified of women wearing makeup because she can change the way she looks. She's a shapeshifter or a selkie. So these are really important things that you want to think about because even now, carrying into the 21st century, we have this concept of a selkie um, under the label of makeup. But also, men have acquired that, um, that ability too in drag. Yes, and now, had, yes, and now it's mm-hmm. since Shakespeare's time. So yep. there's that too. Yes. And now we're looking at it that way. And now people are getting scared because in drag, you're seeing them have a feminine mm-hmm. look dubbed by society, what feminine means. And all of a sudden, they're scared of them too. Anyone who puts on makeup, we're terrified. That's <laughs> just kind of what it is. That's just how, unfortunately, we're seeing history unfold. Also, did you know that drag is an acronym? Go on. <laughs> Tell us more. Um, so in Shakespeare's time, as we know, men had oftentimes men had to dress up as women because, you know, women can't do shit besides bear children. Um, right. Um, and so it would be an acronym that stands for dressed re- representing a girl. And so you're taking the first letters and it spells out drag. Well, and that's still where the people are fearing anything related to. Yep. It literally, the name literally, if this is the accurate like yeah. etymology, literally is yeah. rooted in, oh, we have to like, you know, be afraid. Like these women are so hard, they can't perform. So we need women, unfortunately, for the show because we need women. So they will be in drag dress resembling. And have you noticed that? ancient drag costume is always terrifying it is always extra it is always hideous and the female characters are usually not pleasant yep. oh, like ursula <laughs> <laughs> ursula who is based on a drag queen oh divine 
Wow, full circle. Mm -hmm. So many full circles in not even the end. Also, though, Ursula is based off a drag queen, and she's also based off a Sicalia, which is an othering <clears throat> of the minority of the world. So not only she's based off of two minorities, Asian and Native American merfolk that are sea demons, Sicalia, and then also drag. Mm -hmm. Apparently to men, the ultimate evil, right? Mm -hmm. I knew she. I knew she had a species. I didn't know there was like a, a deeper history on her species. Cicalia are from the areas of Asia and also anything Native American. This concept of these odd sea demon. Sometimes they're mischievous and mean, and sometimes they're neutral. But they can just grab you with their tentacles and bring you down to the depths. That's hot. <laughs> so hot. You know who doesn't think that's hot? Men. Men. They don't like They're tentacles. <laughs> but they have a tentacle. Oh, a mono tentacle. Maybe that's because the sea witches <laughs> have longer ones and they feel they feel <laughs> away. Threatened. Six to eight. <laughs> the, the threat of the size. The bigger the tentacle. You know what yeah. they say. The bigger the bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I just love like I love defining a brand new term as we discussed. So the sea bitch is just really evolving right now. It is. It's giving. But that was pretty uh, fascinating. So anything unknown, basically, Ariana was saying, or is scary, becomes attached. And we also know, kind of going well, off of that, pirates feared women. We didn't. They didn't have women on board because at sea, that was bad luck. The way that I want you guys to kind of see this, for anyone listening, also, because this is really kind of an interesting concept that I learned, but also I put together. Think of... A really small-minded person sheltered, right? And they think two things. Ready? A witch or a wife. The two W's, witches or wives. And that's how they saw women. Witches or wives. ¿Por qué no los dos? They do, but which, which W do you want? ¿Por qué no los dos? Witches or wives? <laughs> witches or wives, colon, ¿por qué no los dos? I'm dead. Let me go edit that before I forget. Hold on. <laughs> that was a wild adventure. Arian, it makes sense then that you were talking about like in the Salem Witch Trials, they were going off into the forest and connecting with like Earth. So then women who were tied to the ocean in seafaring cultures or something are going to then become the origin and of this the is, witch, right? This is where ritual culture comes in and material culture, because those are the things that define where you come from and the things you do every day. So whether it's a mundane ritual, like getting your coffee or going down to fish, or it's something special to you and has meaning. You live on a coastal, in a coastal town, you might not have access to stuff that a, a woodland witch might have, or someone who's going to find certain herbs in the forest. You might have access to things in the sea, in the water. And that's kind of where these concepts come from. The unknown, the greater out there, anything you know near you, that people don't really want to go into. No one wants to go into the woods or into the ocean. This is the month of unpacking, and we don't mean like moving an apartment. Well, you guys want to know a little bit about sea witches? Ariana kind of introduced us to what a witch is, the Webster de definition and beyond. So a sea witch in myth are like portrayed, based on all of this, as like a dark sorceress who might have some control over the elements associated with the sea. Namely, we're gonna talk about like storms and the wind, which I think is super interesting. And when I was doing like research for these episodes, I was so irritated that like sirens and mermaids are temp temptresses to some degree in the ocean. And then like sea witches also destroy men at sea. And it just really plays back into what you were saying. It's like just women who have some, some semblance of power in any way or knowledge 
apart from what the men in power knew or had immediately immediately know for them right because there was mm -hmm. no means of educating women like really and truly and so if we are preventing them from yep educating themselves and they're somehow getting educated and gaining knowledge dude that is ridiculously scary they worked with what they had how can you live also if you're if her job is to literally make dinner that she has to know what she's cooking with so she's going to go in the forest and find herbs that are safe to eat how dare that's you that's so upsetting yeah. if you're making her job to do x but you're getting mad at her for y but it goes together like how does that make sense ma'am a witch <laughs> or a wife which do you want in your life Woo! So these sea witches, centuries ago, and I'll get we're going to talk a little bit about different encounters that, of course, men have had with sea witches as we move through this. But um, basically, these women could be asked to and would voluntarily raise storms at sea. Ariana, what's the significance of a storm, especially to like a seafaring culture? So there's a lot of significance to the concept of a storm. So Think of the sea as something, I mean, even to this day, I mean, there's so much of the sea we don't know. And the same concept men have of women. There's so much women are mysterious, whatever. So kind of men mirror women to the sea. We are these mysterious unknown depths. We are, apparently we're emotional. We have mood swings, all the things the ocean does, right? Unpredictable. So they mirror each other, apparently. So when it comes to the concept of a storm, storms can harm you. They can take you under. They can drown you. And these are also metaphors people use in poetry about love with a woman. They can, can drown you. It can kill you. A storm is tumultuous, right? Same as torment, inner torment, love, lust, love gone, all these things. Even think about pop culture today. We literally have storm in the X-Men. We literally have characters that are brought back of this, this concept over and over again in modern cartoons perpetuating this idea of women as these tumultuous stormy mysterious women and yes you might be a cool character to like look at in like a female strong power powerhouse but these concept of her being able to have the winds in control yes that makes her powerful but that also makes her scary because she's then more powerful than pretty much all of them i'm gonna just say one more thing here because this is really important for anyone who likes lord of the rings listen to this one because we have galadriel who literally is the queen elf, queen, queen. She is the most powerful creature in Middle Earth. Why? Because she has the ability to literally do anything, anything. We have Sauron, who is literally terrified of her and wants her on his side. Why? Because she has the ability. She is mysterious. She is scary. She has so much power around her. She can do anything. She can go into your mind. She can control water, what you see through it. That's where J.K. Rowling got her concept of the Pensieve from because Galadriel literally what? uses it to tell the future. There are so many things you have to look at in all these different writings that come down of women as these powerhouses that are so terrifying because they're so mysterious and they create these inner fires in men that are longing, lustful, but also harmful. They hurt. It's scary. And at the end of it, by men placing all of this meaning and all of this on women, it basically gives them power as the most powerful creatures by them being so afraid they're giving them power and that's kind of where we see this like well they're the most powerful but they're also the most feared so they're also hated ursula literally fits that description literally i within myself i knew at some point galadriel was going to come up in this conversation oh because she I comes didn't know up how, in everything i didn't She'll know probably how come up again 
I know. <laughs> she, works. she just she just exists as the most powerful woman, and that literally showcases in all of one type of realm. She is the top because of how mysterious and scary and how she's longed for and Sauron. There's this torment of this fear and the desire. And it's just it's it's such a great example to really hit this home. They find a reason to squeeze in Lord of the Rings anywhere, honestly. Oh, I'll probably do it again. <laughs> It'll probably happen again. Most Thank likely. You, yeah, you're welcome. I did want to just kind of comment that I think one of the most disappointing things about um, JK being canceled, Ariana was just bringing up the way she reinvented the mm -hmm. the vision of a female witch in like Hermione Granger, who became the role model for so many like little girls. And McGonagall. But she's scary to boys anyway, because she's so smart. And McGonagall. Oh, hell yeah. Head of Gryffindor House, right? She's I'm a selkie though. She's a shapeshifter. Valid. Shut the front Door. She was also like the strongest witch in the whole place. Everyone was scared of her. Yeah. Bad bitch, Dead ass. Bad bitch, her Hermione. So sea witches going, kind of just looping us back onto the origins. Uh, Ariana was just telling us a little bit about storms and the turmoil that women can cause, and therefore, of course, a woman is going to be responsible for the storm at sea that destroys a ship. Destroys. I mean, also just think a lot of times men used to be the ones who were the writers, the storytellers, the orators. So a lot of stories came from what they felt and what they felt was usually what else were they going to talk about? What else were they going to feel? If they're far away from their wives, they're lamenting about their women or women in general. There wasn't really a lot going on. Like, it's not like 2023. History. Yeah. But also, again, women weren't able to do anything. Anything. Not a so damn thing. So nothing to tell yet. A lot of women that if they did write, they often would do pen names more than anything else. So for all we know. <laughs> Claudia, sorry, not sorry. Billy Shakes might have been Wilhelmina, like a troop of like. No man. Well, I mean, honestly, there are a lot of co-writers <laughs> that, that go into Shakespeare. And if you saw yeah. the real y'all, Christopher Marlowe, mm, I said what I said. So what I said. If you know, then you know. But anyway, moving on. Back to witches, witchery. They are responsible in these, like, legends. They were responsible for the control of the wind and therefore crashing ships at sea, causing captains and their crews to drown. However, acknowledging this supposed power that the sea witch would have meant you could also seek her assistance to guide the winds in your favor. So I thought that was pretty interesting and absolutely shows like that acknowledgement, but also like we're going to use you to help us, um, the reverence for them. That's also where in Norse mythology, uh, runes come in because sailors would use or Vikings, they would use runes and they would ask the gods. Usually they have things called the ayats and that's basically imagine like a set. There's Freya Tyr and Thingheimdall, don't quote me on that. And they have their own I set. I know and them. You would, ask, you would ask. Yes, you do. Here's one. <laughs> Here's two. <Tyr. laughs> um, you would actually ask the gods for assistance or for helping you find your way. Um, but at the same time, you would fear them because they could easily not be in your favor. And at that point, it would also usually be the females who would cast you aside. Mm -mm. In ancient, you know, Norse Viking mythology, um, a lot of their myths portray sea witches as like these sinister spell workers 
who have these bonds with the sea and can control what's going on. And as Ariana said, they can either have the sea work in your favor or not. So they were often portrayed as these malevolent magical spirits, of course, who could look like mermaids or selkies. They shapeshift in some capacity. But they'd probably be like the creepy lady on the shore that you would go up to and like, you know, sell your soul to for a safe passage, right? Mm-hmm. That's the vision I got while I was reading about this. Always so, in a hood, probably, too. Yeah, yeah, probably very close to the Snow White evil queen, at least when she's like in old yeah. hag status. 100%. At least like while you're striking the deal and then maybe yeah. kind of like Ursula shapeshifts. Literally a shapeshifter oh, as well. Into right? Into Vanessa. Um, and that is for a reason. She doesn't just shapeshift for fun. She shapeshifts into Vanessa because she is manipulating a situation and a person. We should really talk about why everyone in every story wants to help an old lady. It's because older people are elders, so you want to help them, yeah. But the actual reason is because apparently women can't do Jack Esh. And apparently if you're old, you really can't do anything. So you need all the help you can get from a guy. Nope. I mean, it could also be seen that like men were meant to be chivalrous and like they can't necessarily like deny helping especially an old woman as well yes i'd imagine gotta stroke their ego too (laughs) so these men with their egos would go pursue these viking men would go pursue a sea witch uh because they believed that they'd be able to implement their lunar sorcery right look the moon controls the seas and therefore the sea witches are associated with the moon and its cycles Mm -hmm. i I love all the revelations in this episode so much but the idea behind this was they would go seek her help and the witch would be prompted to tie these three knots um, and the spell was bound to this cord. So mm-hmm. in Norwegian traditions, not magic was used in healing spells um, to offer relief to a patient or to, well, a patient, someone who was ill. But in this case, it's meant to remediate the torment at sea so you can have safe, safe passage. Um, each knot represents something else. Um, and the idea was these knots had the energy to generate and deplete the winds so the crew could make it to their destination. They could also use them, though. And the opposite way, they can use these knots to cast spells against you. And there's also that balance there, that the balance of they can do either help or not help you. But there's also Odin's knots. And Odin's knots are three triangles intertwined. And they represent the nine realms, but also um, the earth and all the three different realms within the Norse kind of um, mythology. And there we have like uh, wind, earth, all those things. So here's Odin, the father of all, and his his knots represent these concepts of earth and all the points and things. And then we have the witches and theirs take from those. So we have the balance of having these kind of like main points and the witches being able to control each point from there. So we have this balance, which always is going to be like the yin and yang of how to utilize elements of the earth. Aren't each of the realms yeah. meant to be for like different for lack of a better term, creatures that make up like Yggdrasil? The highest is going to be the gods. And then we have Midgard, which is kind of like where we would dwell. But then there's a lower portion, which you can get into. But the only person who can cross the rainbow bridge between Midgard um, and then the gods um, would be Thor because he's the patron god. But again, it's it's a male. But the women, the witches, they can kind of be everywhere because they can do whatever because they are feared and they just have this power of just kind of maneuvering. Mm-hmm. The witches. So isn't it also That's the why you would see witches in Midgard taking these. Isn't there also the squirrel or something that travels up and down? The tree, yes. Right. That's okay. that's the tree of that's Yggdrasil to see. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
I'm like a squirrel. Yeah, a squirrel. My favorite story is that Freya, the head of the Valnir and the head and the head Valkyrie goddess of love, she drives a chariot pulled by cats across the universe. Of course, <laughs> that's my favorite. Wow. But anyway. I guess the Odyssey would have been written before North Myth or not, but another really famous interpretation of a dark uh, oceanic sorceress is Circe, and um, she's featured in the Odyssey and how she affected the protagonist Odysseus on his tenure journey. So since Ariana basically like co-authored the Odyssey at this point with Homer, um, <clears throat> I thought you could do, give us a quick summary and like interpretation of her impact as a sea witch. What were the interactions like? And then like the fact that in the Odyssey, he retells his experience with her. We never hear her side of the story. Like what, how does that apply here? So it's important to remember that uh, all Greek myth is passed down through oration. So nothing that we have is actually for sure. Just going to mm -hmm. preface that. But what we do have and some of the best sources that were actually, I read that were translated from uh, Latin, which we have then Ulysses and Kirke, but we have the the concept that. Sorry, um, I'm going to interrupt you. She said Kirke, and that's the Latin Circe pronunciation. Go on. Yes. And so, and Ulysses is his name if it's not Odysseus, if we're, if we're going from the later writings and translations. Um, so we have. Circe, who literally was kicked out of Olympus because her mother was gorgeous and she was not. Her mother had powers and she did not as a nymph. And later on, she was trying to figure out her powers. And essentially, to recap it, something happened. They feared her. She was a witch. They, they made her an outcast. They put her on this island um, where she learned the world around her. I mean, if you're immortal, what are you going to do if you're put on an island? You're going to learn the earth, right? You want to eat. You want to have food. Mm -hmm. right? You want to learn how to farm. So by her literally being a farmer and learning the earth, she was shunned even more because they would have, you know, obviously they would come check on her. But she also learned to harvest and, and make sure her magic was up to par so that she would say, y'all can't mess with me anymore. And this also is something that we learn. Yes, yes. <laughs> Um, Prof, I was just wondering, Prof, were in antiquity, were women working the land, despite harvest no. also representing like fertility? No. Okay, cool. So she was a female, the first female farmer in addition. Great. So women, I mean, if the men were away, they would have men help them. And I guess they would go pick apples and things, but they weren't really farming. Although again, we don't have that much. Like we really, honestly, we don't have that much to really say whether they did or did not. Um, anyone could go out into the fields, but the men were usually the ones who, if they were making an honest living, they were farming. Arguably, wouldn't one of the only civilizations <clears throat> that would be considering women being more useful than not past, like, bearing children, wouldn't it be the Vikings? Yes, but they didn't, they were, they were fighting. They were taught to fight because they were a moving people. They had to learn because they were always migrating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so we have we have her on this island and we never really get her side in actual mythology. We just kind of see her sheltered here and she's kind of looked at as just this terrifying menace of a woman who the second you get near her, she will destroy your life. Where does this come from? How do we know this? 
these are all things that were instilled in the people who obviously were speaking this this um, myth. And in regards to the myth itself, Odysseus was terrified. Although we we see that he kind of finagles that, but he doesn't really have a choice, right? Because he needs to have shelter. He needs to figure out what to do next. He needs to save his crew, all the things. So we see him go head head to head with her. The tale really shows that she wants him to stay. She likes him. She wants him to stay. And it, it almost feels like she's not scary for a second there, but then quickly she turns his men into sheep. And then quickly she does something else. And then all of a sudden she's scary again because she has the power to manipulate. She has the power to change, the power to scare, to kill, to do whatever, to keep you here. Why does she want to keep him there? And then that starts to make us wonder, is she lonely? Is she wanting to use him for something? Does she want kids? Does she want a husband? Does she just want to, is this just revenge? Is it just anger? What is her motive? And we never know. They never say. So in myth, the idea is she doesn't have a motive. She's just evil. But then we have to think, where does that come from? Who's saying she's evil, right? And these are the things, obviously, no one's going to think about. It's just a story, a tale of a, of a crazy witch, this horrible lady who tried to, you know, stop Odysseus from getting back to his wife. Again, wife or witch. He had the choice of Circe or Penelope. And here he goes trying to get home to his wife. And there's always a witch in the way. At least for me, it feels more so geared towards loneliness honestly as to why she that's what i in there because even like with all the other things listed whether it's like taking him as a husband or keeping him there for company or like making him making her a mother like i think it's all still rooted in like loneliness regardless absolutely but i think also a lot of times at least with mythology a lot of these characters will always be one dimensional, unfortunately. Absolutely. Absolutely. They always will. I think that's an awesome point because I recently, I guess a few years ago, I read the Cersei interpretation mm-hmm. by Madeline Miller. Beautiful. Um, yeah. For, it's so beautiful. And for the first time, it's conveying this absent perspective of what happened in, through her eyes. And again, like Arena and Claudia have been saying, like oral tradition is going to be framed by the person who's telling the story and what their values are, what their schemas are, what they know, what they think, what they believe, their their implicit biases, right? So I loved kind of just having this, like I was pulled right out of what I knew about the Odyssey. And I saw exactly that, this very lonely, hurt person who was like, you're the only person who's made me feel worthy. And now you're going back to this woman who you haven't seen in eight years or whatever, right? And then her pain becomes so valid too, right? It's not that she's just an angry, crazy lady who's manipulating him. She's also a human with feelings and- And that her anger is also valid. So correct me if I'm wrong though, the reason why she's there is because of the gods, right? Yes. So- She gets cast aside. So at least like if it was towards, because again, I haven't, read past like whatever like usual excerpt of the of the odyssey is in a textbook like a textbook anthology and so with that in mind odysseus doesn't become a god correct he's just a man no yeah okay he's on the tragic hero quest hero. yeah because he's the tra- he has the tragic flaw and so again i that's why i lean more towards loneliness because like her anger wouldn't be justified towards man if man was the one that 
legitimately like exiled her, put her on this island, then yeah, sure. Anger, 100%. But mm. that's also why we see in myth where she's just so destructive. She's just so angry that she kind of just hits whatever she can. Because if a, apparently if a woman is angry, she just explodes her anger outwards. But she could be mad at the guys upstairs on Olympus, but she's just, her rage is just knowing no bounds. But it doesn't mean it's directed at the humans. Honestly, in myth, humans say this. They say we are the, what had a day, one of my professors, Professor Salami, I'm going to plug him here because he's amazing. He once said, the humans are never the direct point of anger. They're always the object of the aftermath. Collateral like, damage. Collateral. And that's like directly what happens. But to Odysseus, yep. he's this hero. Very real. Yep. So he's like, oh, no, ma'am, you're a woman. You're trying to tempt me. No, <laughs> you're a lady farmer. No. Stop. You're scary. Scary, <laughs> Cersei. Ew. I also just wanted to loop in, since we got kind of these clarifications, how fitting is Cersei Lannister's name, Cersei? Oh, 100%. Like, mm -hmm. right? I love her. So he did it right. Amen. Amen, amen. I love like, so much. Like, when you really dig in and you think about it like it's it's the kind of is she a toxic mother or not is she just protecting her kids and toxic. Mm -hmm. to her it doesn't matter who their father is right they're her kids period um, and she she comes across as so destructive in the name of protecting her family her 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 sanity which is obviously also her domain out. too her domain. her domain her castle is her if you remember she oh she doesn't she barely leaves like that's her safe right. place mm-hmm same as, you know, seriously. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's valid. As far as the Odyssey goes, we can skip Calypso. She's just the wind who tries to tempt Odysseus. Once again, the weather associated Once with female again. trying to secure a man in place. Mm -hmm. But this was BC. Um, the Vikings were, I guess, BC into early BCE. So we know that then the uh, witch trials take place in like the 1600s. Um, and the Inquisition was in the 1400s, which kind of is off an offshoot of all this, or maybe even the beginning of all this, right? So what's going on in the Middle Ages, Claudia? Um, Girl. What's happening here? What's the belief? <laughs> Girl. Girl. In the Middle Ages, we have these legends. Um, for one, Sir Francis Drake uh, sold his soul to the devil in order to become a skilled admiral and he claimed he was assisted by sea witches who in uh 1588 overlooked devil's point or rather near devil's point overlooking davenport in england and it raised a storm that defeated the spanish armada we love that but yeah oh whoa bless you Anyway, defeated the Spanish Armada, but you know what? Why even give credit to Queen Elizabeth I with that? You know, because she was the ruler at that point. Why give a woman any credit? Oh, Lord. But this place is still considered to be very haunted by many people who identify as witches. Honestly. That's just so insane and upsetting to me. Like, it's, I guess it's right before the Salem Witch Trials and everything, but... This woman literally, her military defeats the Spanish Armada. Mm -hmm. And she, to some folks, that's just like completely discredited. It was because mm -hmm. her admiral consulted a sea witch. Yeah, but you know what? God save the queen. No less. Liz won. 
God save Liz. Don't forget also, like, where these people's mentality came from. They actually have a myth where a monster doesn't have a name. It's Grendel's mother. There is there is no name. That's true. Beowulf, literally, the, the entire Middle Ages, they have this one, this male character who defeats Grendel's mother. She doesn't have a name. She just is defined by being a female, being a mother, and a monster. I'm crying. That's where, that's where their brain was. And that's how they looked at women. So it makes sense that she would have been, you know, wild. Was Grendel's mother also a farmer? <laughs> Grendel's mother literally, like, I think, if I recall correctly, she literally didn't even have much of a scene. She just existed to protect her child or something like that. And then she was, like, slain, if I'm remembering correctly. Also, the version I read, I, but I like, feel like that sounds that's right. I feel like yeah. something like that. Another good read is Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. Just saying. Yes. 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 I read her in high school. Loved her. She hit. I was like, oh damn. Link below. <laughs> we'll add that too. But yeah, and then during the 17th century, uh, this is when we get the the witch trials sweeping across Europe, and uh, you know, suddenly all these men stopped encountering any witches at sea because they were encountering encountering them on the land crazy yeah and it was i'm sure no longer cool to go seek a sea witch to help you control the winds because you too would be you know affiliated with magic and religion definitely saw the end of that well not the end of the i guess the pagan practices but why consult sea witch when you already have the land witches here also if you're like inland why go all the way to the coast when you could just blame someone in town Right. I mean, who you have a crush on, just blame her. Especially who just turned you down for a date. Yeah. Especially Goody bitch. Mm-hmm. Goody Hallett. Ooh. I saw her dancing in circles outside. Ooh. Out in the <laughs> out in these trees. It's real witch. So Goody Hallett was a sea witch, oh, a oh, pirate oh. sea witch, but I don't remember yes. what she, unless Claudia, you want to. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Let's see if I can summarize it. So... There was homeboy Sam. Uh, what was his his quotations? It's Black Sam. Black Sam. Um, and so they met one another. They fell in love, and he ended up sailing the ocean. I think down to Florida, if I'm not mistaken. And Goody got pregnant by her the love of her life, Black Sam, and. Her father hated it. He was like, oh, God. Oh, yeah, scandaloso. And so I forget how long he was away, but he ended up coming back to Cape Cod, which is where I believe he meets Goody because he's from England. And so he comes back, finds out that she was with child or is with child. And he's just like, oh, my God, I love you. Yay. But about 500 feet away from Cape Cod, his whole ship just fucking gets wrecked. Like, done. Donezo. And so there are rumors and speculations, if you will, that Goody was the reason um, that she is the one that conjured up this storm. That's one theory. And I think another theory was that her screams, because like she saw, because again, 500 feet's not that far. Um, she saw the ship get wrecked and she, in her emotions, kind of, like, caused it to get worse or some shit like that. 
But yeah, I was like, ooh, spicy. Going back to just like females in this period of time, this was a legend from the 1700s to the 18th century. Um, she was pregnant out of wedlock. So she had that big old scarlet letter, right? So she's already like, uh, basically. By, she's already, by um, their standards. T like furiously angry. So it makes sense that, you know, she caused this kind of like crash according to them. But I think what was kind of cool is that the, the shipwreck was found like off the coast of Cape Cod in 1984. Yep. So like, you never know. Not that I'm, I'm not saying she was truly a witch, but just that the story has- How do you know? That's true. I don't know. I wasn't there. <gasps> to my knowledge, I wasn't there. There though. <laughs> it's Goody Hallett. She's Goody Hallett. I wish we were there. <laughs> <laughs> but like, no, let's not pitchfork her. Let me just say this lag in my audio is really funny because literally I'm waiting for you guys <laughs> to react and it's just quiet. And then I just hear, ah, and I go, oh, they got to the punchline. That's cute. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing imagine if it actually like it won't record that way but if it did it did in zoom which is why we don't use zoom so like she would say something and then it would lag and then i would uh -huh. laugh like so i was cutting out like mad seconds between audio it was really bad yeah because it was just like she'd be like dick cheese and then i'll be like <laughs> so stupid <laughs> so goody howlett was 17 17 which trials had been over by then. The concept of, I guess, witches of, of all, representing all the elements probably never really went away. But uh, at this point, like, you know, there's Christianity everywhere and no one really wants to be affiliated with pagan or be discriminated against. Mm. So they're going to keep their little covens on the low, if, if these are true, you know, societies and whatnot. You know what <clears> I find so funny? That the people that came here, you know, Puritans. Girl. The whole reason why they left England was due to discrimination yeah. when all they did was discriminate. Yep. It's like Ariana said, it's all they knew how to do. That's your like social capacity. Discriminate. Like do unto you others. Can always, you can that's what they say. You can always move, but you're gonna take your history with you. Like unless you learn to un unlearn then or surround yourself with new information. But back then again, what what did they have? They wasn't even what was the nearest town, you know? Like <laughs> where was the nearest town? Jamestown, which was no more. <laughs> but, but it's like they, they were all from the same place. Like, it's not like they were going to, like, you really think they were going to sit there and learn from the indigenous folk? Hell no. Jokes. No, because remember, uh, speaking of indigenous, teach them. My bad. Right. That's right. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> Ariana. Ariana, how dare you? I'm all. God. What a God. white man what? has to be the savior. White man savior. White man's always. burden, man. White man savior always. Ugh. Um, um, so I think it was cool. I'm just going to kind of circle back uh -huh. to Ariana earlier mentioned that Ursula herself, our baddie from Claudia, what year is the Little Mermaid from again? 1989. 1989. So Disney's original Little Mermaid cartoon film. In 1989, they created Ursula, who is definitely inspired by Divine a Drag Queen, but she's also, she's a, a specific type of sea creature who Ariana commented was actually from um, indigenous lore. So Sicalia are supposed to be a, one of two things. They're either very neutral and they don't have, because I think it's also what we have of legend or what we have of lore or what is still left. So like, it's also the Western interpretation, right? Um, they're kind of either neutral or they're mean and scary. So we don't really have much, but 
They're half woman, half octopus or squid. They have multiple tentacles and they're always kind of shown if, 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 you know, described, they're kind of like really deep under the, the depths, but they're kind of looked at as like sinister merfolk kind of, um, they come from Asia and any, a, a lot of native American Indian cultures have a, have them too. Very similar concept of these almost like sea demons that exist and kind of like are ignited when provoked in a sense, or they just exist and you, you know, but that's also important because a lot of cultures have a concept of let it lie. Don't touch. It won't touch you. So this is one of those occasions where we have this creature that is kind of feared, but they won't come after you if you don't come after it. You kind of live in harmony. Again, that concept of balance. So this was one of my favorite things because these creatures don't really have a tendency always to just harm. They kind of just exist. And if you tempt kind of thing. Um, so the modern concept of like, you know, the Ursula character, that's actually based off of her personality, rather, of either a sea demon or one of the concepts of Sicilia that people say are they're like more sinister, but they're usually neutral. Mm-hmm. It was interesting that they chose her. I think it was more just the aesthetic that they wanted for the movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I also feel like, call me crazy. I do think that Ursula, to some extent, is like a little neutral. Because again, to her, it's just a deal. And it's either you uphold your end of the deal or you don't. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, then you end up being a poor, unfortunate soul. Like, the poor little little it's a very good point i'm just so then that would be then to us to the to the person who's taking ariel's side our perspective would be technically put on ariel's side because they want her to be this evil creature taking something from her to make a choice because choices like we have wait this comes full circle to the sphinx to Gollum, to now ursula giving you a choice of something to do choice equals no freedom, but also freedom. Mm-hmm. It equals danger, um, and also kind of like leading to destruction. A power it, over what you do, too. It yes. also low key is connected to religion, unfortunately, because oh, God of course, is everything is. You, duh. God gives you that free will, and it's up to you what you do with that free will. You could go around going on a killing spree, or you could be a good Samaritan and help everyone that comes by. So through you and through your own goodwill, free will rather, not goodwill. (laughs) Fuck that, it's free. Um, Your own free will, you decide what you end up doing with that. But also, again, I see Ursula as a very neutral party, but I'm also very biased when it comes to Ursula. I love unpacking like the villain's perspective too, which we will be doing with our next reading. Yeah, because honestly, villains tend to be just more dynamic than a hero because also if you think about because also okay hear me out if you think about the dynamic of poor unfortunate souls as a song like ursula is just so bombastic she's just so like brassy for lack of a better term and then you have her compared to ariel who is dainty who has like this this like softness to her And so, again, having that contrast kind of goes on to what Ariana was saying, that that's just the aesthetic that they were going with as well. But, like, again, just showing just an audacious woman compared to 
Ariel. Like, it's just such a stark difference between the two. They definitely gave her more of a, a dominant male mm-hmm. situation, which then we come to the concept, like I was saying earlier, about how men were the ones who were punished and they were the ones who were the villainous ones, like Ugolino and all these other people. And uh, mm-hmm. here we are. And here she is making masculine deals. She's inspired by a drag queen. Like the Sphinx and like Gollum, you have this creature that is a male. It's a monster, right? You have the Sphinx that's like half line and it's it's basically sitting there and you have to make a answer riddles. You have Gollum, who's not quite Hobbit, not quite human, making deals with it, answering questions. Oh. And now you have Ursula, who's not quite human, not quite, I told you to come up again, mm-hmm. not quite a, you know, octopus. Lord of the Ring ticker on the screen. <laughs> also, she's yeah. talking about my boy Schmeagolum. I love him. Schmeagolum is my boy. I love him. Schmeagolum. Schmeagolum is my man. That character could have two hours worth of discussion. Oh, hell oh. yeah. Dynamic as hell. Totes my goats. But again, like these, what we are, we're being told a story from the protagonist's yep. perspective, Ariel Frodo. Yep. So we're not an omniscient, omnipresent author will kind of give you dimension. And that's what makes George R. R. Martin so good. Like we get those perspective chapters. Mm-hmm. Like that's one of my favorite parts about reading Game of Thrones is like, I might see an event through Cersei's eyes and then I'll see it through her brother's eyes and then I'll see it through Robert Baratheon's eyes, mm-hmm. you know? And I just love that 3D real feel and i think villains always feel so real because they're so multi-dimensional yeah and also just on that note of narration i've often preferred the omnipresent omniscient narrator because i'm so nosy that i want to know what people are thinking i want to hear like i feel like it also helps in showing like the further dimension because it's like I also in Game of Thrones where it's just like, oh my God, I can't freaking stand this person. Oh my God, I love that skirt. It's vintage. Where'd you get it? Shut the hell up. It's just, it's, it adds to the duality of people. It, listen, it, it straight up Circe and Mean Girls. All right. Fight me. I think she and Regina George are one and the same. I said what I said. Um, <laughs> but am I wrong? Am I wrong? I'm not contesting that one. Also, again, forgetting the lag of my audio, I'm like, am I wrong? And it's like, three, two, one. And we're just staring at you with all this, like, green makeup. We're like, (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It's my favorite part about this lagging in audio. So that nicely leads into what we're doing next week. Like you said, we are doing a book review of Ursula's canon origin story known as Poor Unfortunate Souls. Um, And I believe it's by Serena Valentino. I can't wait. It is a multiversal... You'll hear. You'll hear. We have feelings. And I'm only on chapter (laughs) three. I have feelings. Everyone! So today we've learned a witch is a... uh, derogatory term for a female with power in some capacity multiple capacities um a witch was a woman perceived as a threat and that has brought us from the temptresses of the ocean into ursula who might not have been a temptress in quite the same way as ariel she is she tempts you with a deal but she's much scarier and she's got the octopus legs which like in 1989 when this movie was made like we knew octopuses were super smart so i think that's also suitable so again ariana said intellect skills friends in high places like you know all this power 
Um, so I'm really excited to like unpack these, this origin story we're reading in this book next week. Um, if you want to read along with us, DM us and the book's pretty short. It's like 86 pages or something. I'm slowly realizing that we would be sea bitches. We would be. Yeah, I love You've that seen show. like the the memes. Once you hit thirty, you become like you start affiliating with the villain in all your favorite Disney movies. Like the princesses make no sense anymore because they're <laughs> dumb. No offense <laughs> to, the, to the heroines in Disney movies, except Tiana. Princess Tiana's nope. not dumb. No, she's amazing. Ariana, what did you think the most important kind of takeaway is for everyone listening and joining in this week? I think it's important to uh, remember how we. Hi. How we? Sorry. How we? Um. I think it's important to remember how we look at the world and how we are uh, utilizing our past uh, learnings and how we can unlearn it. Because at the end of the day, everything is a lens and everything is a lens from the past. And most of that is taken from a place that is no longer where we are. So there's always harmony in everything. There's always balance in everything. And I just, I challenge you listeners and viewers to do some homework. Anytime you look at a woman, or um, woman identifying anything that you would have had a pre uh, predestined kind of concept or thought about pause and think about where that's coming from. Just sit with it and try to remember and think back to any kind of things you heard growing up stories, tales, things like that. And I think it's going to be a really interesting concept because we can really sit here and there's so much that we can really see every single day and how we target uh the gender with witchcraft i think that's a really important thing that i want everyone to do because i i think this is really important to always just like look and like rethink and relearn um but also just the concept of just witchcraft in general is just such a it's such a big big topic and i think it's really important to not think of a witch as a pointy hat and a broom because it's it's so much it's so much deeper than that and there's so much hurt and so much trauma attached to that word that when it's thrown around, it's really hateful. And even though a lot of times it's used in like a Halloween terminology and some and other people use it to empower themselves, it still has this stigma and we need to remove that because women, same as men, same as anyone, any, any person who breathes and lives and has skin, wear SPF, needs 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 to understand that we can heal from what we have around us and that doesn't make us witches or wizards that literally just makes us human adapting to our environment and if you also think about the word witch and us well women we'll say uh are reclaiming that just as they are the word bitch absolutely it's true. that's i think why there's such a huge I think that's why there's such a huge amount of people where you know in 2020 when when the world closed there was a resurgence of this concept of witchcraft and so many women along the internet were taking up, I'm a witch, I'm a witch, I'm a witch and learning witchcraft. And at first it's cringy, but then you realize why it's happening and people are reclaiming that and they're saying, no, witches are not scary. Our history as female and women are not scary. It's just that we literally just learn from the earth because we weren't given tools to learn otherwise. Ariana, we can't thank you enough for joining today. It was extremely so enlightening. Much. No, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate that. Like, I feel like there's so much that like we kind of just walk around with and we don't think about and then like making these deeper connections to these stories we already love so much just makes it that much more meaningful to us. So thank you for all of the enlightenment. Yes, thank you. Oh my God, thank you. So at the end of the day, um, women have been kind of cast aside as these wishes, but a whale's penis is actually the Loch Ness Monster. 
-hmm. So y'all, again, thank you for joining us. Thank you to Ariana. I feel awake and alive and like just learned it. So thank you. And like we said, next week we are reading Disney Press's Poor Unfortunate Souls, the Ursula or origin story. And remember, all of these things we're reading and referencing, all you have to do is DM us and we can share some resources with you so you can jump right into the conversation. Oh we're not God. sea witches and we don't like harbor knowledge and literature. Not that that's what they do, but we're um, the good version. Excuse me. We're uh, literature fairies. Girl, but so yes, but also. Listen, sea bitches be making contracts, sea bitches be, you know, giving out wealth in some way, maybe not in the way that you want. Clearly, I'm They don't gatekeep to the doors of Atlantis. Woo! Mm -hmm. Big facts. And then, y'all, this is all leading up to the Little Mermaid opening weekend, and we're going to see it in dance. Oh my gosh. Please, please, please like, subscribe to all the things that we are on. We are on Spotify. We are on iHeartRadio. We're on YouTube. Uh, you can look at our beautiful faces all the time, along with the wonderful edits that Christina makes to these videos. What else are we on? We're on Apple Podcasts. We are on TikTok. We're on Instagram. Follow us here. Interact with us. We clearly love to talk, okay? And we love to talk to y'all. So come by. Stay a while. Join the fam. You want to connect with Ariana a little bit more? You guys can find me on Instagram. Uh, my professional business account where I do makeup and uh, skin would be skin.by.ariana. For my material culture and art and ritual page, it's going to be arianaj.art on Instagram. And then on my YouTube where I fuse the two, it's skin by Ariana. Um, all links will be below and tagged all over our socials. So uh, she hopes to see you as well. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.